This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The whole wide world is talking about the Trump indictment. Fair enough. But I've got some questions about the big guy, Brandon. Where's the money, Joe? The show starts now. Yesterday, Donald J. Trump pleaded not guilty to the 37 federal charges levied against him by a corrupt, weaponized, and rotting injustice system. When I'm reelected and we will get reelected, we have no choice. We're not going to have a country anymore. I will totally obliterate the deep state. We will obliterate the deep state. And we know who they are. I know exactly who they are. They want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. It's very simple. They want to silence me because I will never let them silence you. They want you silenced. And I am the only one that can save this nation because you know they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. And I just happen to be standing in their way and I will never be moving. On November 5th, 2024, justice will be done. We will take back our country and we will make America great again. And while all eyes are on Donald J. Trump, Joe Brandon is over there yucking it up with trans influencers on the White House lawn. Oh, and meanwhile, still getting away with what really appears to be a massive multi-million dollar pay-to-play scheme designed to enrich his entire crime family syndicate. On Monday, Senator Grassley pulled the pin on a Brandon-sized grenade in the explosion. Well, it should shock and concern every American that gives two craps about our national security. That the foreign national who allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden allegedly has audio recordings of his conversation with them. Seventeen such recordings. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses 15 audio recordings of phone calls between him and Hunter Biden. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses two audio recordings of phone calls between him and then Vice President Joe Biden. These recordings were allegedly kept as a sort of insurance policy for the foreign national. So let me get this straight. So far, we have a money trail with millions going into shell accounts and then at least nine Biden family members, including a grandchild. Then we got word about the informant file detailing this pay-to-play scheme involving Joe himself. And now we have it on good authority that 17 recordings exist. What the hell else are we waiting for here? At this point, I think Joe could flat out admit it and still nothing would change. What's it going to take, honestly? But meanwhile, the dog, pony, and Trump show commences, and that sucks all the air out of the room. It's good for Democrats, it's good for Joe, and it's good for Trump's GOP poll numbers, but what about the rest of us? Joining me now with his take on it all is town hall writer Scott Moorfield. Scott, it's great to have you. 
Thanks for having me, Tommy. Great to be here. So, Scott, I follow you on Twitter, and I, I can't quite figure out if you are anti-Trump or just anti-having Trump be our nominee or where exactly you fall on this. So I want to clear that up before we get into all of it, because I want to know what your mindset is walking into all of this. Right. So I'm not anti-Trump at all. I supported him in 2016 and 2020. Um, just feel like now, and the biggest reason I supported him in 2016 was because I felt like he could not win. I mean, he could win in 2016. So he did, he broke the Rust Belt, um, and it was a huge historic win. And he had some momentum in 2020. If it wasn't for COVID, I think he would have won easily. Yes, there was fraud. At the end of the day, he lost. And he's done nothing since then to expand his constituency. So Right now, those of us who really are supporting DeSantis are doing so. Obviously, DeSantis is a great candidate. He's gotten a lot done for conservatives, um, real victories, expanding the voter base in Florida, won by a tiny margin in 2018, and then in you know four years later, percent of the vote. So DeSantis is really Trump on steroids. He's not Trump light. He's a tr he's somebody who could go through with Trump's policies and actually win and get them done. So so that's where I stand. It's not from a Lincoln Project never Trump <laughs> standpoint. It's just hey, we need a winner and and we've got to have a change. So that's where I met with that. Right. I don't disagree with you on any of the points that you just made and your concerns are my concerns. Uh, it's difficult right now, though, because the second that you say anything that even somewhat sounds like disloyalty to Donald Trump, people think that you are anti-Trump or that you don't appreciate what Trump has done or that you don't like his policies. And that couldn't be further from the truth, at least for myself. So I want to talk about this Trump indictment. All right. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I think a lot of people are not honest about this. I have Trump fatigue and it's not his fault. <laughs> it clearly is not his fault. Um, the man is just one after the other. They're going after him. They're weaponizing the system. Every system against the man they have for the last seven plus years. It's exhausting. I can't imagine how exhausting it is for the Trump team and for Donald Trump himself. But honestly, looking at it like I have Trump fatigue every time they go after him and then we have this big charade and then it covers days worth of news, if not weeks worth of news. And I'm just quite frankly getting tired of it. But I'm wondering, will this indictment have the same effect on his poll numbers within the GOP as the last one did? Is this going to be the bump that gets him to be our nominee, no questions asked? No, and that's the crazy thing about this. And and I tweeted it yesterday. There really four things can be true at the same time, right? We know the DOJ is weaponized against conservatives. That's obvious. We know that they have gone after Trump unjustly several times. Russiagate, the the phone call, Ukraine, um, even the New York indictment. All that's is BS, right? None of that is real. It's it's all nonsense. So everybody just assumes that Trump can do no wrong because they've gone after him so unjustly in the past. So that's true. The third thing is we know that obviously Biden and and eventually I think there's something we can discuss that later, but I think something's going to happen with that. But right now it appears that Hunter Biden, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden get away with everything. Basically the same thing Trump's accused of. But when you really dig in, it's also true that Trump has been his own worst enemy in this situation. Um, at first, when they raided Mar-a-Lago, I was with everybody else and saying, oh, this is complete nonsense. But when you read the indictment, there's some real things. And when you have somebody like, and I understand Bill Barr is a complete worthless 
uh, incompetent right now. Okay. But the guy's a serious guy. And when he's on there saying, look, there's serious things on this indictment that Trump could have prevented easily. This is stuff. And, and when we weigh whether something's just, I think the biggest thing is would an ordinary person do this, right? And and if if we see ourselves like, man, we could easily fall into that, then we say that's unjust. But with Trump in this situation, no ordinary person would do a lot of the things that are in this indictment if even half of it is true. No ordinary person is going to try to hide things or be quoted saying the things that he has been or be recorded saying the things that he supposedly recorded saying. So yesterday he said, oh, this is just personal stuff. This is just my, um, I don't know, my my uh, pictures, right? Just personal pictures. No, it's a lot more than that. If it was just pictures, I don't think they would have done that. Um, I think they've learned enough uh, about in the past to not come at him with some serious stuff. So this is serious. He's going to get um, – he's very likely to get convicted. I'm not a lawyer, but it doesn't look good. And so even regardless, even if he's not convicted, why are we going to nominate somebody with – who's fighting four felony charges right now? Why would we nominate somebody like that? It takes a toll. Um, so, yeah, it's helping him with really his core base. But it's not helping him with anybody else, and that's the problem. You've got to win Georgia, Arizona, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. If you don't win those three states, every Republican loses. So what's the Trump people's plan to win those states? There's not a plan. It's just, oh, election fraud. Oh, my God's being persecuted. Oh, we're going to show the deep state, and that's it. And there's no plan, and it's complete nonsense, and it's time to move on. So I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. I mean, when you read the indictment, could Trump have prevented a lot of this? Yeah, I think so. But also when you look at the magnitude of what others have done and then what Donald Trump had done, when you've got Hillary Clinton and Benghazi emails and smashing things with hammers and deleting 37,000 emails after a subpoena, I mean, there's a lot of things here. And then you look at Donald Trump having these documents at Mar-a-Lago it really doesn't feel like it's the same. It doesn't feel like it's the weight of let's put this man in jail for the rest of his natural life. I mean, that, that doesn't seem to me realistic unless you're just trying to go after Donald Trump. But I understand what you're saying. It's going to be very hard to convince independents and even some Republicans that are tired of the Trump circus that that is going to be the guy and that is going to be the uphill battle. And I worry about it. But no, go ahead. No, yeah, um, exactly. I mean, the thing is, yes, um, eventually what tr what Biden did and what Hunter Biden, all this stuff, Hillary, the bleach, all that stuff, that's way worse. It's way worse. And I acknowledge that. Um, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, his biggest argument could be that, hey, selective prosecution. Right? And that's what he's going to try to say. And, and that's what his lawyers are going to argue. And, and I agree with that. There is selective prosecution. If I were... The DOJ, I would not have brought this forth, I mean, in this way, uh, even though, yes, he's been his own worst enemy, but he has a point there. He does. And I do think that um, a Ron DeSantis, should he get elected, would have very much the moral authority to pardon Trump if he gets elected. So I want to bring um, that I, up with you. Let's have yeah. that discussion because I was planning on discussing that with you. Uh, we know yesterday Vivek 
said that he calls on all of his Republican contenders to agree to pardon Donald Trump if they should be the nominee and then the president. And he's calling on everybody to kind of come together in some kind of a loyalty pack. And I'm wondering what you think about that. Do you think strategically that that is wise for these other Republicans to come out and commit themselves to Donald Trump? We don't expect it from a Mike Pence or a Chris Christie or a Nikki Haley. But when you look at Scott, when you look at DeSantis, do you think that they are wise at this point to say, uh, yeah, we will pardon Trump if we become president? Yeah, that's that's a really tough call. Um, I, I think it probably is politically wise um, to at least say that you'll consider that. Um, obviously, you've got to wait for the judicial process to work itself out um, and make sure there's not something you know, blatantly worse, maybe, or, or whatever, but you could maybe based on selective prosecution, um, you could consider that. But um, if you don't do it, then you're going to be put in the same camp as the Mike Pence's of the right. world. And that's not where you want to be, right? So, but if you do do it, you don't, You, I mean, to commit yourself to that, I mean, that's a tough question, Tommy. I mean, I, I think maybe he should, but I could understand him being very vague about it. Um, hey, we'll consider. I mean, he, I felt like the census statement was pretty strong. Mm -hmm. You know, the DLJ has been weaponized. Um, and we've got to pull that back. So DeSantis has a plan to pull that back. He's got um, details and the guy can get things done. He's a fantastic executor. And so um, if he were in office, I have no doubt that he could do and accomplish so many of the things that Trump failed to accomplish when he was in power. Um, and so, yeah, you got to get Trump's base, though, if you're going to get that. you got to win the right. nomination. And I think maybe you do have to do that. Um, maybe right. you do have to promise to pardon him. Yeah, that's why this is going to be so tricky. This entire primary season is going to be tricky because the other Republicans, and when I say the other Republicans, the only one that matters is Ron DeSantis. They're going to have to make sure that they ingratiate themselves into the mega base, the conservative base that has followed Donald Trump and loves Donald Trump. But they also have to keep in mind if they were to be the nominee, they have to look forward to a general election and also be able to still bring in the people that hate Trump, always hated Trump, yes. always going to hate Trump. It's going to be a really weird spot. Last thing I want to ask you is something that I've noticed in the last several weeks, if not several months, if not several years at this point. And I want to get your take on it before we wrap. Gavin Newsom was on with our friend Sean Hannity the other night in an interview that we could talk about probably for an hour. But there's one thing that I've been noticing is that Gavin Newsom is not going after Donald Trump. In fact, he almost refuses to go after Donald Trump, even when he's baited to go after Donald Trump. In fact, he almost compliments Donald Trump, especially with his handling of COVID. I'm wondering what you think, because I know this guy is strategic as hell. What do you think the strategy is behind that for somebody that's a governor of a very, very blue, very anti-Trump state? Yeah, I think Gavin Newsom has his eyes on the prize, and he knows um, – I think everything is careful. I've got to give him credit for appearing with Hannity. Um, that that was pretty impressive. I, I, most leftists won't do that, anything even remotely like that. So um, he comes across as polished, articulate, likable. And I think the reason that he may be not coming after Trump as hard is because Democrats know they lost some of their base to Trump. And so if he runs, if, if they end up dumping Biden, which wouldn't be the worst strategic move, if I mean, honestly, they could run an eggplant 
and beat <laughs> Trump, right? But it doesn't matter. So Biden's going to beat Trump from his basement again. That doesn't matter. But if DeSantis gets or Scott or somebody like that gets gets the nomination, then I think they're going to go with plan B, which is let's get rid of Biden or have him at least agree not to run, right? Um, and then bring in Gavin Newsom because he's honestly their best candidate and Gavin Newsom doesn't want to make the Trump base mad. He wants to have, I, I think at least initially he wants to have big tents. So that may be why he's doing it. Um, it's possible. And it's also possible that he wants Trump to get the nomination. Um, every Democrat wants Trump to get the nomination. If you're, you know, if you know anything about politics and you're a Democrat, you want to run against Trump. You don't want to run against the only person you might not want to run against less than Trump is maybe like Mott Pence. OK, I mean, but other than that, you want to run against Trump if you're a Democrat. So it could be some of that. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what it is. I think he sees Ron DeSantis as a much bigger threat in a general election. So um, I'm going to talk about it later in my final thoughts. But the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so I think that Trump and Gavin Newsom kind of have somewhat of an unspoken pact here that they're both going to go after Ron DeSantis because they both want to neutralize that threat. It's going to be a wild couple of weeks. Um, I'm, I have fatigue from it all, and we haven't even gotten started yet, but I'm hoping that we can at some point get back to the issues because there's a lot of Americans out there that are so upset at what's happening to Donald Trump, but they're even more upset at what's happening at their kitchen table. And, you know, having trans influencers flashing people on the White House lawn, that's also a discussion for another time. Scott, thanks for all your time, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, Tommy. Appreciate it. Of course. Still ahead, my next guest is a South Dakota farmer and one of 80-plus landowners in my home state facing eminent domain lawsuits for a carbon capture pipeline. This is the story of the forgotten America, but they'll be forgotten no more. The shocking story from the heartland is next. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I was born and raised in South Dakota. My family ranch is still up and running in the eastern part of the state. And that's partly why this next story really burns my ass. But because South Dakota is a so-called flyover state, it likely never crossed your TV screen. 80-plus South Dakota farmers, ranchers, and landowners are facing eminent domain lawsuits. Yes, that means they could lose their land. Also, a carbon capture pipeline can be built on their land. But that's not all. My next guest has video evidence of surveyors from Summit Carbon Solutions scouting his property, poking around his land and his shop without permission. This is all part of the Green New Deal radical climate change agenda. But wait a minute. I thought the left was anti-pipeline. I seem to remember these climate zealots claiming to fight for landowners and Native Americans when it came to the Dakota Access Pipeline or the Keystone Pipeline, both of which were set to run through my home state. I forgot these zealots don't actually care about landowners or land at all, just their big, green, greedy agenda. These farmers and ranchers have worked, cultivated, and protected this land for generations, and now it could all be ripped out from underneath of them as South Dakota hat governor Christy Nome does nothing. Well, not on my watch. Joining me now is South Dakota farmer Jared Bosley. Jared, it's great to have you from my home state of South Dakota. 
Thank you for having me. So I've seen this story. A lot of Americans are unaware of it because, as I mentioned in my open there, we know South Dakota doesn't really usually get a lot of headlines unless the climate change protesters are protesting something. But I want to go to what's happening to you and other landowners. And I want to go to that footage that you captured from your property with these surveyors without your permission poking around your land. What were they doing there? And uh, did they ever reach out to you for permission to come and poke around your stuff? Well, they they served papers to get permission to kind of go out there and survey. And the judge ordered that they could do it, but they're supposed to give a 30-day notice to, to all of us so you know. And no notice was ever given, and we didn't know they were coming that day or anything. I left the plant. My wife was home recovering from gallbladder surgery, and she was in the shower and pretty soon someone yelled in the house, hello, hello. So she sent a text just wondering if I had parts coming or someone needed to stop for something or if I knew of anything, knew of no one. Well, then she just started watching them and they left the house here and drove over to the shop and went into the shop, which the shop is not on the quarter of land that is in the condemnation papers or the survey stuff. They had no business being there. And they've already got the judge's order. They don't need to come to my house. They don't need to find me. They're supposed to give us a 30-day notice, and that's kind of the means of contact they're supposed to have with us, which they were, I assume, looking for me. I've been vocal in a lot of the meetings trying to prevent this pipe, hazardous pipe, from going into the ground by the house. And when the wife watched them go to the shop they, after they did that they left and went up to the field they sat there i told her go see who it is because they're in an unmarked pickup louisiana plates you just okay. don't you don't see a lot of them around here so when she went up there she called them she called me right as she walked across the road when i picked up i heard summit surveyors and i said if it's summit surveyors, the sheriff should be involved. I'll deal with this later. I was planting. I, I hung up then and I come to a mud hole and had to turn around and deal with the planter. As far as I know, that was the end of it at the time when she sent a text that they're leaving. Well, that's all right. Just figured that was the end. Well, later a detective came to the farm and they said that I threatened to kill these surveyors. I'd never said a word. I was 10 miles north of them. I got witnesses that know that seen me planting. They were planting across the fence. It just all made up stuff. Right. So now then it goes to the, comes back with these charges for contempt of court. Then they're trying to get that. I prevented them from surveying. Well, I don't like the judge's orders that they're out there, but you still have to respect the judge. I mean, right. it's just, it's kind of how the order is. So when we went to court, they found me not in contempt, but they wouldn't listen to any of our evidence to kind of clear my name up and show that they were lying. I mean, you don't just get to right. sign an affidavit with lies that, and then that's perjury. 
but nobody's doing anything about that either around. So it was just a big bully tactic to right, Jared, try to you're keep. Exactly right. So I'm from where you're from. So to me, this all feels a lot like you've got these big city folks coming in. They don't give a crap about landowners, about South Dakotans. They're there for themselves or they're for their companies. They don't really care what they traipse on. They think that they are entitled to everything. We know these kind of people because we're from South Dakota. So it's quite obvious to me exactly what's happening here but when you come to the crux of what's happening they're surveying your land because they want to put in this carbon capture pipeline this part of this big green agenda but as I mentioned in my open there I know and you know that every time they want to put a pipeline in everybody goes absolutely wild about the environment and how you can't disrupt the land and you can't disrupt the Native American burial grounds and you can't move the grass and blah 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 so why has there not been the outrage from the climate groups or the land preser preservation groups or the conservationists about this pipeline? What makes this pipeline different? Mm, it's a very good question. All of us in the pipeline family are wondering the, the same thing. Where are all these people now when this is going on? I mean, the Green New Deal thing is just crazy, but I guess it lines, puts, puts money in the pockets of certain people that have a lot of power and can just come and take and do this stuff. But I mean, the whole, it doesn't make any sense to put plant food in a pipe and bury it. Or, I mean, everything green uses carbon dioxide and we don't have just a lot in the air anyways. It's at 0.04% now. Well, 0.02 is when stuff starts to die in his death. Why would they wanna even venture down that road is beyond me. It's just, it's, it's hard to believe that we have these common sense conversations and this is actually being pushed onto us, something like that. The whole Green New Deal thing, it's just crazy their, their thoughts on it. In fact, everything they're talking about doing and saving, they, they are doing 180 degrees different and hurting things way more than they lead on. Right. And, you know, the heartland, South Dakota, North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, those states, I mean, I've never seen a population care more about the land and cultivating the land and protecting the land than people who live in those states. And I'm not talking about the ones that vacation there from California. I'm talking about the ones that have lived there for generations. I know my family has a ranch. I grew up in South Dakota. My whole family lives in South Dakota. They care about that land. So when these Green New Deal people come trotting onto our land talking about preserving the environment, when they live in actual crap holes in their big cities, it's wild to me. But you know what else is wild to me? And I want to get your take on it. Governor Christy Nome. All right. I know that a lot of people that don't live in South Dakota, a lot of conservatives think she's some kind of a red state warrior. But when you've talked to her about this, when other landowners have come to her and said, we've got this issue, what has her response been to you? Well, I, I talked with her personally at Dakota Fest, that's a farm show down by Mitchell last August. And we were down there for a forum for this pipeline stuff. They were trying to push their agenda, all that. So we went down to watch and kind of counter and try to ask questions, which none of our questions got asked or answered. And when we left that forum, Christy Nome was walking in because she had some presentation after that. And I asked her, a couple questions. The first one was I walked up to her and uh, I said, Christy, you ran on property rights. That was the number one bullet point 
on your campaign page was property rights, landowner rights. Been, she's always saying that. And I said, this pipeline is huge that way for property rights. And you've just been silent on it. Why is that? And then she said, well, it's in the PUC hands. There's nothing I can do about it. I said, you're the most powerful elected official in the state. I feel you have more you can do than you're leading on. And then she looked at, looked at me and said, am I supposed to fight all your battles? <laughs> I was like, well, not the answer I thought, but I guess we're, we're here fighting our battles and wondering when any of these upper politicians are going to step in because I've wrote letters. Everybody up and down this pipeline has wrote letters to Christie and John Thune and Dusty Johnson, and we just get zero response out of all of them. Right. And just wondering when, when they're going to step step to the plate and and help their state right. and do well, what's supposed to be right. Governor Kristi Noem has a long history of this. We know that she cares about ranchers and farmers as long as they have the last name Noem or they're related to her. She certainly cares about those people, and she'll take money to make sure that those people are okay. But when it comes to actual farmers and ranchers, a number of winter storms that have come through and really hurt the farmers and the ranchers in the state of South Dakota, she's also been largely silent. When they shut down Keystone XL Pipeline, unless she could get a headline or get on Fox News to discuss it, she really didn't care about that one either. So I am like you. I am sick and tired of these politicians from South Dakota just running roughshod because they think they can get away with it because they really uh, domineer over a small state. So I promise you this, Jared, I will be hot on her tail, making sure that she is held accountable for this and everything else. And we will keep on this story because what you guys are going through and the heartland and your property rights and the integrity of what you guys do day in, day out, the backbone Americans of this country you matter, and I want to thank you for sharing your story and being so vocal. I hope you never stop. Thank you. Me and the Pipeline family appreciate this. And if anybody can go to SouthDakotaPropertyRights.com, you can kind of read up on this stuff and learn more of what's happening. And um, just, it's it's my property this time. If this stuff, eminent domain, goes through for private companies, they're opening a big can of not good for America, and we have to we have to change this and stand strong. And I appreciate the help. Always, uh, always thinking about you guys. Always fighting for South Dakota. God bless you. And I know that you guys are tenacious and you're relentless and resilient. So I I do believe that you will win, and we will keep a spotlight on it. Jared, God bless you, and please say hello to your family and the rest of South Dakota for me. Will do. Thank you very much. Still ahead, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Gavin Newsom will run for president in 2024. And if we aren't vigilant, he will win. My warning. Next. I have never been more sure of anything. California Governor Gavin Newsom will run for president and he will do it in 2024. It's time for final thoughts. This week, our very own Sean Hannity sat down for a one-on-one -on -one interview with Lucifer Incarnate California Governor Gavin Newsom. I think he's cognitively strong enough to be I, president. I have conversations with him all the time, yes. And I'll tell you what. You do. I'm dead serious about that. I've, I've talked to him when he's been overseas. I've been in Air Force One, Marine One. I've been in the limo with him. I've spent time with him Okay, but you never answered my question directly. How many times is your phone ping a day, people saying, you need to get in this race, because they agree with me that he's not up to the job? Uh, 
I'm saying, I see where you're going with that. I'm asking. No, I, and I'm not answering. I, I, I'm all in. Count on you, it. You would do a two-hour debate with Ron DeSantis. I'd make it three. Three-hour um, debate with Yeah, make do it. I hear I mean, four. And, and you do it four, with one-day notice with no notes. I look forward to that. All right, Donald Trump, trying for years. Your, I'd be negligent if I didn't get your reaction to what happened in the news. Sad, and, and I say that as an American. I can imagine. Are you friendly with him? I, well, as you know, I, I didn't have a close fist. I had an open hand. We actually had an right. incredible relationship during COVID. Right. It was incredible. He would played no politics yep. during COVID with California. Whole Foods did shut down one business, but there was a bad location to begin with. They're opening a new one. We have 2.7% out here recently with a team, and I said, it's don't bad. go to the wharf. Certain parts are bad. And we own that. I just put the National Guard and the CHP yeah. down there. So while I do applaud Gavin for walking into the lion's den, so to speak, I also see right through it. There would be no reason for Gavin to do a sit-down interview with Fox News and Sean Hannity if he wasn't planning to run for president. Think about it. What business would the governor of the solidly liberal state of California, a state so blue it could make a smurf blush, have going on Fox News if he wasn't trying to angle for national support? Why would he go on a red state tour? Why would he propose a constitutional amendment to go after your gun rights? Damn it, I hate to say it, but it may very well work for him because he lied through his teeth during that Hannity sit down, but he did it with such charisma and conviction. Hell, I almost believed him. Too bad for Gavin, I know better. But what about my fellow Americans? Were they swayed by the white Obama of California? Can he little by little ingratiate himself into the hearts and the minds of the American people? Yes, he can. Do not underestimate that man. Do not. He is a snake in the grass. California is a waste bin under his leadership, but listening to him on Hannity, you'd think he was doing a marvelous job because this man will spin anything with his forked tongue. He is dangerous. But I know what you're thinking. He said he won't run, and Joe and Kamala have already announced their re-election ticket. How would Gavin finagle his way around that? Folks, easily. Let me tell you how I think this is going to go down. The Democrat crime syndicate and comrades in the media, Injustice Department, FBI, and CIA will slowly begin to allow the Biden crime family to fall once this begins, they will convince Joe the only way to save himself is to go away quietly. They will promise to shield him and his family from prosecution or any real consequences. But what about Kamala? How do they replace the first black female vice president with a white straight man like Gavin Newsom? That'll be a little tougher, but I assume Kamala has a price. And let's just be frank here. Once the DNC decides who their chosen one is, it really doesn't matter who protests it behind closed doors, and Kamala isn't as powerful as she thinks she is. If the powers that be decide she's out, she will be out. And Gavin Newsom will then come riding in like a snake with hair gel. He will run. And if we're not very careful and very strategic, he will win. He's watched us for years. He's studied us. He's smart. He is a different breed than Joe or Kamala. Joe is in this for the checks, and he's long since checked out. And Kamala, she checks boxes, and that's it. Gavin is not them. Gavin is smart. He's also playing right into the underbelly of our movement. He's not going after Trump. Hell, he even complimented Trump in his interview the other night. Why? Because he's not scared of Trump, and he knows a very simple fact. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. They both want to take down what will be their mutual biggest threat, Ron DeSantis. I'm telling you guys this because, yes, I'm trying to scare you. You should be scared. I'm scared. 
Watch that man. He knows what he's doing. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless. Take care.